all across the country. There are widespread problems with recruiting and retaining the best police officers. Plus, the effects of fighting violent crime and more. You see, this is a special episode of the Law Enforcement Today podcast, where yours truly is a guest on the First and True podcast with Kenneth Bader. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. That's number 4Patriots.com. They offer the world's best survival food, the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and more. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4Patriots.com. That's a number 4Patriots.com. Use code LET to get 10% off. Welcome to First and True, the show for fans of first responder and true crime podcasts. If you're looking to find your new favorite podcast or searching for more insight into your favorite hosts and the genres, you came to the right place. This episode is sponsored by Police Mortgage, a provider of killed in line of duty loan protection. Police Mortgage, the first responders who are second to none. your host for First and True, and I have a great host, a much greater host for me. He is a legend, at least in my eyes, probably in a lot of other people's eyes. His name is John J. Wiley, and he is the host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. He's also a retired Baltimore police sergeant. John J., welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Ken. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Pleasure to have you, and I had such a good time interviewing you public safety talk radio, and we had an even better time when Podcast Magazine was around and did that article. That was a phenomenal piece you wrote, by the way. You made me sound really uh, extraordinary. And by the way, I got to take you to task. Uh, sometimes legend i'm happily married i have someone at home that keeps me in check all the time so there's no legendary status anywhere you and i are on the same level yeah you got that right uh, our beautiful spouses have uh, a knack for keeping us on the right keel uh, just enough ego but not too much <laughs> absolutely correct and i'll be honest i don't know where i'd be without her yeah, yeah. And uh, I am in the exact same boat, my friend. So we are, are very blessed in, in that particular genre or particular avenue, if you will. Uh, at least we got one thing right. That's right. That's right. 
So, but one other thing you got right was this awesome show, Law Enforcement Today. So let's talk a little bit about that. I've obviously had conversations with you before. I've listened to a few of your recent episodes. Uh, and so I, I know that, you know, you kind of retired a little bit early there because yeah. of some unfortunate injuries there. You know, when, when you were in essence kind of told to retire <laughs> uh, or made the decision on your own you know, what was the motivation to eventually start the law enforcement today radio show and podcast well it's a, a long route to get there and um my first job after leaving police work was selling pagers and phones and back mm. when they were brick phones and installed in cars that's how long ago it was and then then i went did they have the rotary no, no, but <laughs> it wasn't up. that far back. <laughs> it's a little challenge, by the way, for those of you who are older, if you can remember your home address, do a Google search and see if your old house shows up and some of the real estate tools. I did that the other day and I was shocked at the old house, how much they put into it. But um, I did a lot of things. And with my type of pension being hurt in the line of duty, I wasn't allowed to do anything police related. Um, so and that was a good thing. Uh, and I learned lots of other things, but nothing really filled a void. Nothing really made me feel complete like police work did. And then I began in 1999, the early days we considered to be uh, the predecessors to podcasts was called audiobooks. Mm -hmm. I did my first one where I recorded a show and edited it in cool edit and then put it up as an MP3 and then use an MP3 download script. And all that stuff. And then I went to a brokered radio show where I paid for my own time, sold my own advertising there for a couple of years, went to night school for broadcasting um, and fell in love with it. And I've been a full-time FM music jock for about 19 years now. And in 2017, I wanted to take what I learned from radio experience wise with microphone, formatics, a lot of other things, but the human element and really create uh, a podcast specifically for two audiences at the time. And we've expanded since, uh, but was for law enforcement officers, either active, retired, or their their spouses. And for those who are really dealing with the, the after effects of trauma and uh, feeling like they were floundering afterwards. Uh, and we, I made a partnership with law enforcement today and was posting my show organically on their page. At the time, Ken, they had about 650,000 followers. And a radio station heard an episode and said, can you create a radio version, which we did, and, and then self-syndicated. Now we're syndicated via Talk Media Network. We broadcast weekly. We have 107 official affiliate radio stations broadcast weekly wow. to about 35 million combined population. We estimate our audience conservatively about 2 million uh, per week, two, two and a half million per week. Then episodes go online as a podcast. Um, and the moment we went to radio, we had to... Uh, adjust a little bit and add in more stories. But we, we always do one of two things. It's either going to be doing well, it's picture radio is doing for radio, what investigation discovery channel does for television. So it's either going to be cops, active, retired, former telling the reality of investigating crimes. And that's only about 30% of our content. The rest it's either uh, cops, active duty, retired, former, uh, their spouses, survivors, other first responders, military victims of crime, talking about trauma they went through, how it impacted them. And trauma is often crime-based, but not always. And, and what they did to build their lives afterwards. And that has been the lion's share of our audience. And that's something we had to really do when we expanded into radio, because I had to get a little more content in there to, to, to appeal to a wider audience and still stay in the same relative lane. 
So since you're talking about your audience, what is your audience saying? And also I'm interested in maybe backtrack one step. I, I would assume that a large percentage of your audience are active and retired law enforcement, but I'm always interested to hear, you know, how much of your audience, if you know, are spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, significant others, maybe cousins uh, of a family member who's, who is a police officer that wants to learn more about the job or be more in touch with the job. Well, <laughs> When it comes to radio, I can only go by what the, the primary listeners or P1 listeners for radio are. Uh, right. So most of our stations are news talk stations. So it's usually predominantly male, older. But while our show, we do get more female than, uh, than most of the so-called news talk shows mm -hmm. because it's a personal experience show. Uh, right. But when it comes to the different apps, I can, I can narrow it down a little bit more, but they don't really go into occupation too much. So... <laughs> Here's the funny thing, Ken. I can see in the podcast downloads that we have spikes almost every day between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. Hmm. So that doesn't tell me it's California people because it's getting a little late for California. What it tells me is we have a lot of people listening to either work overnights yeah. or they're in patrol cars uh, and it's getting a little downtime. So that's the one thing to do it. Facebook, I can narrow down ages and demographics more, but we get to occupation is tough. I just think I yeah. really, I think a lot of people have a lot of natural curiosity about two things, police related, what the job is really like, not what the news media tells them, not what right. social media tells them, for goodness sakes. <laughs> um, and the other one is I call it the, the train wreck effect. You ever notice, Ken, you're driving down the street and there's a bad car accident. People slow down and they yeah. can't help but look. It's like you tell yourself, I'm not going to look. But you can't help but look. You got to look. Yeah, right. you got to do it. <laughs> so what Investigation Discovery Channel has done is they're really successful with women 25 to 54, which is a sweet spot of the advertising mm -hmm. budget because they make the decisions for the families. Right. And, and they generally have more expendable income than younger people. So what they found is people watch those shows for three reasons. One is, oh, my goodness, could this happen to me? Mm -hmm. Number two is... Can I figure this out where the police couldn't? And number three is uh, I want to disprove their case. Uh, mm. And the, the last one I'll throw in there again, the train wreck effect. Uh, I just yeah. can't help but look and watch and listen. Now a word from our sponsor, Police Mortgage, a provider of killed in the line of duty loan protection. Everybody goes home. It's a common phrase among first responders. To us at Police Mortgage, it has an even stronger meaning because we know that a home for our law enforcement and firefighter families isn't just a home, but a haven. That's why, in addition to offering competitive rates, we provide qualified loan officers with the knowledge that a career in public safety isn't just any job. It's a special and honored profession. Everybody goes home. Let's go home together. Police Mortgage for first responders that are second to none. What 
kind of feedback are you getting from your listeners? You, you even mentioned you're on Facebook, you know, you're on other social medias. Uh, I know you're not a call in show necessarily, but I'm sure people, people are, you know, messaging you on Facebook, they're sending emails, they're doing those types of things. What's some of the feedback you're hearing? Is it all positive? Or is it some, you know, why, why, why in the hell did you do that on your show or bring this person on? What, what's been some of the feedback? Well, here's what I do. Um, you said that we want to create a community. So let's use Facebook example. Uh, I post on Facebook on the Law Enforcement Today radio show or Law Enforcement Talk radio show page. People call both. Uh, I start around 6 a.m. and I go to around 1 a.m. 1 seven days a week. And I'm posting about every 59 minutes. So I create a post with an article. Uh, and then I usually do an image and uh, sadly, a lot of them are memorials. And then I do an episode of the podcast. So I get a lot of comments from people that are 90, I'd say 93% of them are very positive about police. Um, when I say police, that means sheriff's deputies, probation, sure. parole, federal agents, you name it. Um, and it's very positive. Uh, and then we get a few that are really, I'd say a very small percentage are, uh, very negative trolls and they'll say stupid things, really absolutely stupid things. And then we have people that want to be negative, but they can't help themselves. They really can't. So here's what I do. I don't respond to any of them because, uh, number one, I found out that a long time ago, there's a quote, a camera who said it, that I'm not the jackass whisperer. I'm not going to convince <laughs> someone that they're an idiot. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> yeah. The last thing is, look, I've got a mission of what I want to do. And what I want to do is I want to portray the reality of what police go through. Uh, so we have issues. We have things we talk about, but I refuse to be moved from my mission to go to someone else's mission. Uh, so while most of the comments, the vast majority are overwhelmingly good, there's a few that are not so good. And what I do is I, I just, I just ban them. Uh, I don't even respond to them. I don't even get into it with them because look, the a cab crew, the Antifa crew, the, all those people, that's their reality. I'm not going to convince them otherwise. So why would I lose any sleep over that? I just don't do it. Yeah. It, um, it reminds me of, of some of the conversations i have with uh, uh people that are getting out of college and say i want to start a podcast and uh, one of the things we we talk about is all right you need to be prepared that if you're going to be out there publicly you know whether it's speaking or podcast or radio or tv or any of that you know you're going to have probably about a third of the people that just love you that just, mm -hmm. you know, identify with you. They're engaged. They, they like what you have to say. You're going to have another third that's kind of apathetic. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's all right. And, and you're going to have a third that just can't stand you. No matter what you do, you know, you know even if you're trying to reach these people, they just are not going to like you for whatever reason. And for the love of God, don't try to attract or turn around that other third. You, where you want to spend some time is first engaging with the people that already like you exactly. <laughs> and then also trying to make some of those folks that are in that eh, kind of apathetic to bring them over to more to the like side, but you're never going to get that last third. So don't waste a lot of time losing sleep over it. You'd better develop thick skin too, because you're going yeah. to, and you're going to hear insults and you're also going to hear a lot of complimentary stuff. What I would say is, don't buy into the all the 
the legendary, you know, you're great type things <laughs> and don't buy into the negative ones. So the, the reality is somewhere in the middle. Can you and I, we've done interviews before. I've never met you in person. I can't say a bad thing about you. So what I'm getting <laughs> that's at because, is, that's because you've never been out with right. me. But anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> but what we hear a lot of is people say, oh, I can't stand such and such celebrity. Or I can't stand right. such and such athlete. Or I love this athlete. And I ask them, have you ever met them? Well, no, I haven't. Have you ever had any direct impact or, or, or any kind of impact in your life from them? No. So what are you basing that off of? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just opinion. Opinion really is the lowest form of, of human communication. So when someone says great things about me, eh, that's awesome. I'm glad you feel that way. When someone says horrible things about me, mm, that's okay. You obviously, someone said the other day in a Facebook post that I'm obviously a narcissist and I had to laugh. Hmm. I actually had tears in my eyes going, <laughs> I don't even know if they know what that means. But I'm the last op exact opposite. But the amount of time I spent thinking about it, that much. Now, you're not going to make me spell narcissist on this show. No, I'm not you? going to because I can't <laughs> either, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I know what it means. Sundays Maybe I'll look it up later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but getting back to, to policing and then the uh, the show, yeah, I was listening to a couple of your recent shows and you made a comment that I thought was both poignant as well as disturbing to me as a civilian that supports law enforcement. You said something to the effect that it takes about six or seven years to really understand the job. Mm -hmm. And really, and I'm paraphrasing, so if I'm getting this wrong, please correct me, but it takes about six or seven years to really be good at the job and really be skilled. And what concerns me in today's day and age of you know, there's a good percentage of people that don't like police, that are outwardly negative about police. And that's caused that and some of the uh, politicians out there in certain states and cities have caused some police officers, really good police officers, to just basically say, screw it. I'm going to do something else. People that have had 14, 15 years on the job that are have gotten good and can give good advice and mentor some of these young gals and, and guys that are coming into the job are just saying, yeah, I've had enough. And that scares me in that you know, most of the police then might not have that six or seven years of experience. So my, my question to that is basically, do you have that same concern as a former police officer that I as a civilian kind of have in my ignorance? Yes, I do. Very much so. Um, and, and my old department is a perfect example. Baltimore Police Department. We have so many people being promoted to sergeant with three years on uh -huh. And they don't even know the job yet. And then by the time they have six years on, then they're lieutenants and they're, they're second line supervision. So what we wind up having is rookies. And I'm not saying as a negative, we all start as rookies. Sure. You, you start as a rookie and then you have rookies leading rookies. And then we have really horrendous things happen where uh, it doesn't need to be that way. It never should have been that way. Um, and then we have at the upper end in the police chiefs, the police commissioners, highly political positions, usually appointed by mayors or uh, the city manager under the the pointing of the mayor. And then they also pick their command staff based off what the mayor says. And those are highly political positions and they lack total leadership. So mm -hmm. what we have is a vacuum. 
Um, and we're having a hard time across this country retaining really good officers. And when I say good, these these men and women coming in, they're college educated. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are military veterans. A lot of them have other language skills uh, and they're expected to do psychotherapy, physical uh, first first aid. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be a medical position, a firefighter, a police officer, uh, someone who's a therapist and a counselor that can calm everything down and never need help themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't recruit these people, but the real problem is we're not retaining really good people. Uh, so one of the things that a guest on my show said a long time ago is if you don't like the A team, wait till the mm-hmm. B team shows up. <laughs> you, and by the way, people, yeah. most of your, your calls are going to be for medical emergencies um, mm-hmm. and police are going to come because they're, they're the closest and they're most mobile. They'll usually be first on scene. And it, I want someone to show up that's going to be on their A game that has the proper skills. There's a lot of great police out there. A lot of people doing phenomenal things every day. We just don't hear about it. It's, and it's my job and your job to let people know because yeah. the media is not. Yeah, agreed. And yeah, I, I do. One thing that does give me some some joy, at least, you know, here I'm located in Southern California is, you know, sometimes when I I talk to some of these young police officers, they seem to be very dedicated and very sharp people, which which gives me a very good feeling. You know, I want the law enforcement profession to be up there with a doctor, with a lawyer, with an engineer, with with those other folks in, in knowledge and skill, but still you can have all that knowledge and skill, but without the right mentorship, without the, the right seasoning, uh, that, that could go in the wrong way real quick. So I'm, okay. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. We, when I was a rookie, uh, I was very fortunate. We, we, a lot of our more experienced senior officers were or Vietnam veteran combat veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we even had a few commanders that were Korean war veterans. Uh, so they were instrumental at, at teaching us the people skills. The, see, you can learn a lot of things. You can, the law, you have to always be studying always mm-hmm. police procedures, everything else, but the people skills, how to talk to people, the basics we were taught was respect, show everyone respect, no matter what, until they change uh-huh. the tone of the conversation, then you don't back down whatsoever. And we had terms like verbal judo we used, uh, which has fallen out of favor quite a bit. People would say, oh, that officer was rude. He said rude things. It's all designed so we don't have to use force on someone. Right. Um, so it's a protective thing. It's using this muscle up here. I know it's not a muscle rather than these muscles here um, uh-huh. because you can't fight your way out of every situation. It's, it's, even Clint Eastwood and John Wayne, or they're not going to win every fight. They're just not going yeah. to. So yeah, well, well I'm a, I'm a big, I'm my favorite, my favorite actor is Clint Eastwood. So don't tell me even now in his nineties, he can't win every fight. Look, I'm not going to mess up Clint Eastwood <laughs> in his nineties. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that gun from the dirty Harry flicks looks pretty big. So I think I'll stay out of his way. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, is there, especially from your show, you, you have such a wide range of guests and so much knowledge that you bring on to the podcast. 
it, it, are there some answers out there? Are there some things that are being done in certain departments? Are there is there a wave of uh, what I what I'll call common sense going on that we can look to and say, yeah, you know, if we can get through some of this negativity, there's some good things coming in policing in the near future. I'd say there's several that are doing that. Um, what I would say is this is a pendulum. This is not the first time this has happened. Uh, yep. The 1970s, we went through a real big anti-police thing. And by the way, a lot more police were killed yearly in the 1970s and 80s than there are today. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a, a problem. It's a problem. It's a huge problem. Sure. What we have is become a politically acceptable by the news media and politicians to be rapidly anti-police, even when it's not true. Um, so the ends justify the means. Until agencies start doing things like um, one of the big problems we had, Ken, as our agency was anybody could make a complaint against you for discourtesy and excessive force. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, anytime you arrested a drug dealer in Baltimore, the defense attorneys would say, make an ex- make a complaint against the officer because they get enough complaints to take them off the street. Um, Are you saying that there are drug dealers in Baltimore? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so even when it was proven to be not true. They would never do anything, never file a false report claim. Uh, the agencies and governments that are doing that are much more proactive. The ones that are preparing and actually defending their officers when they did nothing wrong are, are doing the right thing. What I have a problem with Ken is uh, remember we had, we were inundated with the lip sync videos and dancing cop mm-hmm. videos. They're all designed for increasing public community relations and more positive spin on policing. W- what good did they do? We look nowadays, did they do any good at all? None, not one. When we don't sit there and we don't, treat our officers like heroes when they go into burning buildings and rescue people, when they pull people out of fiery cars, when they deliver babies, when they stand tall in a gunfight, we don't celebrate them. We send the message. You don't, you don't matter. And look, I don't, I don't want my wife or my children to think that really bad things happen, but they do. And when our officers do, here's a great example. The, the, the horrible situation in Texas with the mass shooting, and, and I'm not going to talk about the bad guy or what, what his motives yeah. were. I don't really care. And I don't believe in doing that. But recently, the press has started saying this officer was a hero because they were calling for help. And they ran in actively looking to engage a shooter, knowing that they were, were going into the lion's den, for lack of better words. But they use the word hero. And that's what we need to do a lot more of. Our our governments, our our. I say the the, the city hall, but that includes states, counties as well. They need to do that. Our police commissioners, our chiefs, our sheriffs need to start doing that. And we need to start telling the media when when they do something wrong, we need to correct them, say, no, that's not what happened. And and if they get hurt feelings about it, get over it. You'll learn to get over it. I rarely ever correct people about anything police related. Very rarely, because it just, again, this goes back to our earlier conversation. I'm not the jackass whisperer. (laughs) <laughs> but um, here's an example. There's a hierarchy. You have retired police, you have former police, and you have ex-police. Uh, ex-police usually are fired or they quit under threat of termination under unfavorable circumstances. Former means 
they left for their own accord, but they had good reputation and retired. Either you did your full term or like me, you got hurt. So when someone calls me an ex-police, I always correct them and say, no, that's retired. Um, Cause I was 33 when my, my deal was done and I wasn't prepared for it to be over with, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, I've heard you talk about that a few times on your show. And usually I'm more of a pessimistic realist type of a person. <laughs> but yeah, I, I deliberately, and I, I even have to say out here in Los Angeles, which is generally let's blame the police for things type of a, of a mm-hmm. mode. But, you know, I I've seen on Kate Cal on CBS news a few times recently where uh, hosts have gone out of their way to say things positive about the LAPD or police force in certain areas. And it gives me just a little bit of hope that the pendulum is swinging <laughs> to that other end. So let's, let's hope that's happening. Uh, to, to that point, you, to your sounds like millions of listeners that you have on law enforcement today, is there a takeaway? Is there something or some things that you want your audience to take away when they listen to your show? If you love the first and true podcast, then you need to take a look at one of my other podcasts, which is Public Safety Talk Radio, especially if you're a fan of first responders. Public Safety Talk Radio is the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. The podcast is centered upon covering topics that will assist our target audience in one or more of what we call the four pillars of soundness, which are financial, physical, emotional, and professional. Today, more than ever, Our heroes in public safety need and deserve this support. Watch or listen at www.policecreditunions.com and go to the tag podcast. The main thing I want people to listen to and, and take from it is, and I hate the term comparison, but I want them to compare and say, boy, if this person can make it through that, and they did this, they did that. I can make it through what challenges I have in my life because no one's got it easy. Look, in Hollywood, they might have it easy on television, but I don't think in real life they do. Uh, there's no white picket fence, two and a half kids and dog in the yard, and they all live happily ever after. All of us kind of muddle our way through this thing, and we all struggle. Uh, some of us just don't vocalize about it. So I want them to do one of two things. Say, number one, if this person can build a life they want afterwards in spite of what happened to them, then maybe I can do something for me and my life. And the other one is I really want them to have a a, a common sense behind the badge. Look at Mm -hmm. what is like catching a serial killer, what it's like catching a serial rapist, what is like going after pedophiles or better yet, what, how difficult it is to, to gather evidence of a crime, but also to keep your emotions in check when the victim is a child or Mm -hmm. an elderly adult or whatever it might be that there's human beings doing this job and there's no perfect case. There's, there's an old saying, and I can't remember who said it. You go to war with the army you have. Well, in Mm -hmm. police work, you, you deal with the case that you're presented. You deal with the evidence that's there. Um, 
So people, I got a guest coming on uh, very soon. She retired as a, a, a major from a, a major police department in Virginia, but she was the public information officer during the Beltway sniper shootings. And there's so much mm-hmm. she could talk about. And how much frustration was there? Well, how come the police aren't doing their job? How come they don't have a case? What is it? Well, all those things people don't know about. And the reason they don't know about because we don't tell them. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the police commissioners, the chiefs, the city halls, they don't advocate for their officers telling anybody anything. Uh, so they get one sided look at information. And until we provide other information, they'll never know. So the takeaway is I want them to see it on the side of the reality of what happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm glad that's one of your objectives. I've I've never been a first responder, um, but I've talked to probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of them, including yourself over the last 20, 25 years or so. And while I'm certainly not an expert, I've never done the job. Yeah, I feel like I have a little bit more insight into what you know those guys and gals are doing out there um and you know i even you know as as i'm not shy about telling people on any of my shows that i'm an alcoholic in recovery over you know three years sober and so am i 31 years sober so you got 28 years on me (laughs) that kind of thing can happen to anybody and that's something we don't talk about much yeah. So uh, if I ever see you in person, we'll go out for a milkshake or something. That's exactly. <laughs> I'm going to wait it goes right along with that, the, the chocolate <laughs> shake and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People don't realize when they get sober, they want to eat candy all the time. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but you know, my point to that is not to go, you know, hey, I got three years. It's to go to your point, which is in doing these shows and talking about some people that have real problems. You know, not saying that anybody that's dealt with with alcoholism doesn't have a real problem. But I look back and some of the things that you know, led to my drinking, I go, you know, wasn't really that bad i didn't see a dead body you know i didn't have two guys come at me with you know a tire iron you know i didn't have you know the media telling me you know playing uh you know monday morning quarterback that i should have you know knocked on the door instead of you know uh breaking it down i've had none of that so if these folks could get through that you know i should be able to get through this yeah yeah exactly and here's the thing My wife and I know we say this all the time to each other. I don't like answering yes to people's preconceived stereotypes. So um, one of the things I jokingly say all the time on my show is I am the the Hollywood stereotype of a police officer in in the United States. I'm Irish Catholic descent. I've been sober 31 years. I'm in many ways a knuckle dragging Neanderthal. And I'm okay with all that. Uh, I look like a police and... I'm a firm believer in, in what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. So, uh, it, and people say you're too black or white. Okay. I'm trying to be a little more gray, but there's a lot of things that don't fit in gray that they are black or white. Um, so they're either right or wrong. And what I do is can, if you want to talk to me as an individual, I'll tell you my story. My show is not about me. I, I throw in little bits and pieces where, where it does fit. But sometimes I'll say, and I say quite a bit, I don't have a point of comparison. I don't have a reference. I don't know what. So I'm taking you on your face of what you say. This is what you've been through. Um, and I have no reason to to not believe them. But if that t- person turned around and said, uh, I was, 
I'm gonna use an example. I was sexually abused for years as a child, blah, blah, blah. And I developed mm -hmm. a lot of behavioral problems as a teenager. I'd say that's stereotype. And I'm early in my mind fixing an image of what that person's like. And I wind up subconsciously putting a moral judgment on that person. Mm -hmm. They're good, they're bad, whoever. I need to stop that and just listen to their story and listen to the details. Uh, this is what happened to me. This is what I did. Uh, and this is life I have today. And this is how I got here. That's the real magic, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in listening to a number of your shows, in fact, I remember an episode, I think it was uh, um, Sarah, the cop, Sarah Gonzalez, I believe her name was. Um, and she she had to she unfortunately, I believe, wound up in a stampede or got trampled oh, on or something. Dallas sheriff. She and, was like 35 years as a sheriff. In Dallas, yeah. And, and, you know, you even asked, you know, can you talk about that? You know, I, I think that you're you're very you're very cognizant of your guests and what they're able to share or being comfortable to share. Yeah, as you're doing some of these these episodes, do you ever does it ever take you back to your police life or anything where you say, you know, I got I got I got to muddle through this because I'd rather not have this conversation. But, you know, this is the show. Does any of that ever happen for you? It does happen. And periodically, like you, uh, I, I record the shows so they're not live. What goes to radio is pre-recorded. There's stuff that gets edited out. Sometimes the people just can't talk about it. Sure. In a way that 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 doesn't make them look like a jerk. Uh, so we rephrase it. And some people will say, look, I can't talk about that now. And I just edit that out. My sure. own thing is quite often you'll hear in interviews, typically in the second segment of the show, sometimes third, they're talking a lot. And I'm not saying a lot. I'm listening to what they, they say. Uh, and some of these things remind me of what I went through. And I start having what I call a physiological response. I don't know that's the correct term but i have to and i mute the microphone i have to bring myself back down um and i do that all the time uh, in my everyday life not just on the radio show um two examples that really stood one was one of my first episodes it was a, a young woman named stacy who was now retired auburndale florida police officer she was shot multiple times with an sks rifle on um a, a 911 investigate the, the the call type thing and the guy shot her through the window and he, he shattered her arm and got her through the gut. And she was crawling, belly crawling, to the uh -huh. neighbor's house, getting in the garage. She had audio from the dispatcher calling for help at her trying to get their help. Um, and when I heard that, it it brought me to tears. Another one was a, a female officer. And it's not just females, but named Jill uh -huh. Kiddick, who's a retired Hartford police officer now, Hartford, Connecticut. She was suddenly attacked and stabbed multiple times, uh, throat slit, and they had dispatcher audio, police audio of the ride to the hospital. When I start hearing those audios, it, it takes me back. And I, that's why I don't watch body cam videos. I don't watch dash mm -hmm. cam videos. People send me all the time like I'm some sort of expert. Look, they go right in the round file. I don't, I don't yeah. look at them because I don't like where I go. Um, mm -hmm. It took a long time to get to the point where uh, I'm at today. And I don't want to upset that apple cart. 
yeah, I can I can understand that from a vicarious standpoint, and even as a civilian, you know, whether it's uh, Music City nine one one or so, there's a few other great podcasts out there that are based on some of these nine one one calls, and and I have a hard time listening to some of those podcasts because they they they're just even too real for me but uh as we begin to to wrap up a little bit here what's the future for law enforcement today obviously more shows more years on the air more radio stations i hope uh what's 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 up next is there a big book that's coming out is there a, a huge live show is there anything else that we could expect from law enforcement today uh there's some there's talk for law enforcement today.com a lot of things we want to do I, I i personally want to make it more inclusive where we have like spanish language content we have people who are influencers who are dog trainers or keto or whatever it might be and and they happen to be police or retired police i want to show that content on the main page when excuse me when it comes to the radio show the next goal is 110 stations. Um, we we want to be, we're really thrilled to be where we're at so far. Uh, but uh, I want to be at 150 radio stations and then 200. Uh, I want to get to the point where I'm broadcasting weekly to 50, 60 million combined population. The podcast version of the show, which is free, uh, people can get anywhere they want, just like your show. Uh, there, there's no paywall. There's none of that stuff. Uh, we are 700 at the time of this interview we're 792,000 downloads. Um, we should be at 800,000 downloads before the end of this month. And the next goal is by the end of this year to be at 1 million downloads and growing. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to create a community where people can consume content, uh, mostly audio content. I did some video a long time ago, Ken. I, I found out two things. I have a face for radio. I'm a big <laughs> proponent of theater of the mind, uh, but it's it's adding more time, more stuff to do in the time frame that I have. Um, and so, spending time with my wife, our pets, my daughters—they're all important to me. And I try to shut things off by a certain time. So, yeah. in short, there's no book, but I do want to continue to grow. <laughs> Well, most important question, more than anything else, you know, what are your pets' names and who are they? Oh, by the way, <laughs> at, at the, this recording, our dog Doc is a Rottweiler. He is mm. turned 10 today. Um, yeah. So that with that comes a, a mixed bag. We've had Rotties for about 25 years and mm. very few of the past 11. Uh, so part of my heart aches because uh, you, you, you just know that day's coming. Uh, then we have yeah. two rescue cats that live inside. We have two rescue cats that live outside that we feed. Uh, my wife feeds the squirrels, the birds, and we have feral stray cats that come. So I think the word's out to the neighborhood, hey, come to the Wiley house because they'll feed you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like our house. We actually feed birds and squirrels, too. And we used to have a, a cat we that feed, came by, but I, I think she's gone. Me, and I'm the last one to eat. And I'm the first one I've learned a long time ago. Keep my big mouth shut. Don't say nothing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. My beautiful wife, you know, she's, she's an awesome cook and we have this, this ongoing line in our, our 11 year marriage is that, you know, anything that comes in or near this house is going to gain at least 10 pounds because she is love. going to feed them. <laughs> I'm going to feed you to that. That's how I show you. I love you. 
which is the reason why I'm dieting now. So, <laughs> well, you look great. You you sound great. It's a a really really intriguing show. Wish I had more time to to listen to law enforcement today. But as you know from podcast magazine and first and true, I've got to move on to the next podcast. Unfortunately, but you're busy. Got I'm busy. To <laughs> It is. It is. You know, so unfortunately, some of the great podcasts like yours, I don't get a chance to go back and listen to as often as I'd like. But for the folks out there that that should be listening to law enforcement today that might not already be listening to it, um, I know you're pretty easy to find out there. But how can they best find law enforcement today? Just go to letradio.com. Uh, that's the website. It's got every episode of the podcast. Uh, and it's got some information, uh, some other things, some blog posts, some articles. Uh, that's letradio.com. That's the easiest way. It's got links to our social media. Uh, I would love for everybody that's consuming your show uh, to follow us on Facebook. I know that's not a reality, but uh, do a search for either Law Enforcement Today radio show or Law Enforcement Talk radio show. Uh, because people look for it both ways and you can find it either way. You'll find something you'd like. There's more than 500 episodes there. You'll find something that appeals to you. Yeah, you'll, you'll find something. And okay. I know I know from my, my personal experience, you know, law enforcement today is very easy to find. So you don't have to look hard. Um, so definitely take a listen to law enforcement today. And John J. Wiley, it is just awesome to talk to you again. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine, Ken. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Loved having you on and love all of you guys that have either watched or listened to this episode of First and True. And we'll be back with you next week with another great host. Thank you for listening to this episode of First and True. The First and True podcast is brought to you by Bader Training and Consulting and is hosted by me, Ken Bader, former True Crime Category Director for Podcast Magazine and founder of the Police Officers Credit Union Association. To suggest new podcasts to be featured on First and True, or to request a speaking or panel facilitation appearance by me, please email me at kbator, B-A-T-O-R, at E-T-C-I-N-C.net. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing if you enjoyed the podcast version of the show please do me a big favor tell a friend i'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the law enforcement today radio show and podcast until then this is john j wiley see ya